sometimes it goes, I'll, I'll talk your ear off. <laughs> You'll know, we'll be drinking at four in the morning. <laughs> then I'm getting into how, like, those are the good nights. Then I'll start yelling at you that Evan Smith is ten times better than Barry Sanders. <laughs> Tom Brady's overrated. Good. Hall of Fame? Oh, to the yeah. Cowboys? Yeah. yeah. I think I think there's I think they're setting him up to trade him. Um. All right. Cool. Brett Ernst here at the Stress Factory Green Room. We're on Keep It Basement. Brett, thanks for coming by. You coming know, by? You came to me. That's true. <laughs> well, letting us come by. But uh, Brett Ernst from you know. Well, if you want to throw back, I I know you from Wild West Comedy Show way back in the day. But you know your podcasts. You're on the list. You know this is not happening. Fucking Cobra Kai. I mean, I don't know bunch of shit but thanks for doing this the conversation before we started recording was sick so it's like we want to kind of try and get back into that vibe but we were we were talking about so much comedy shit before this but i mean just what you were just saying about about i think it's the best time staying to be relevant I, well i think this yeah. is the best time to be a comedian right now is the golden era again we're in a new boom but it's different you know and uh you you don't uh, the whole landscape's changing but with the, with the internet there's no reason for for people not to stay active you know, and not to get their material out there. Well, like yeah, like, well, like you said, twenty four four years in the game, and you've outlasted. You know, whoever knows, comedians like turn over. You know, like crazy. Twenty three. Twenty three. Sorry. Don't age me. Sorry. Twenty three. <laughs> um, no. Um, but I mean, it, that's the thing in terms of staying relevant in fucking comedy, and since it's at the peak boom, like the most amount of comedians there's ever been by far. And the turnover rate's high, but also the success rate, I feel like, is pretty high. Like I feel like it, it might be easier. It, it could be easier to pop off now because of the internet, but it also could have been easier back in the day because it was less comics. Well, it's different because it's how do I say it? If it's it's easier to get known, but it, you can't fake what we do. So let's just say you pop on some viral video or whatever. But if you don't, if you can't go up for forty five minutes to an hour, you, you you'll get people to buy tickets once. You know, so that's why you're seeing this wave of comedians that are like I mean you could start with a guy like Bill Burr who you know is one of the greatest and uh, but there was a time where like before the internet you know it, he the internet really blew him up mm -hmm. blew Sebastian up mm -hmm. blew Burr Kreischer up it blew uh, Theo Vaughn up Schultz, Schultz yeah so you know the, but these are guys that I'm not saying they didn't have any love before the internet but I don't know if, if it would have People really got to see what they do. Because prior to that, you, the only way you could watch comedy is if you were on TV, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, And even those aren't even fair to a comedian because you're playing by certain boundaries. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but to watch somebody in their, uh, to see a comedian in, in their natural setting, in a, in a comedy club setting or, you know, being unfiltered and... That's what the internet gives you. So off air, you were talking about how like you have to have a buzz in comedy, and some people just stay stagnant. But there's well, it's a, a different time. Like, yeah, you got an industry buzz when I started, right? And then what happened was like you got you went to the festival, you got a development deal, and then they worked with you, and then they try to mold you and you know get a show on and stuff. But the, there was no way like I couldn't have done with my special what I did now. I couldn't have done that ten years ago. Mm -hmm. No way. I mean, maybe I don't know. You know what I mean, yeah, like yeah. with with the YouTube and the Facebook and yeah. the thing the kids are with the craziness and the Instagrams. No, yeah. I don't think it would have gotten as much traction ten years ago. No. Yeah, I was talking to a comedian. He said it's a new game now because he's from LA and he was saying how he did comedy. He's doing comedy for ten years and he's he's literally opening up for YouTubers. Possibly. And yeah. he said that YouTubers now just get famous, get a fan base. People come into the club and they don't even have to be comedy fans and they'll like them for who they are. 
And it's like, isn't that hurting the game? You would say, or, or well, is that I mean, just it's, nobody's playing fair? I feel like. But it, there is no. I mean, if the, the goal is selling tickets, so if you sell tickets, that's you know that's number one. Regardless, I mean, if if I don't fault anybody if they're able to sell, let them make their money. But that has nothing to do with me. The comedy table's infinite, man. There's not a limited number of seats. Actually, the more great comedians, the better. I always compare it to like rock in the '70s, oh. you know, when you had like all these bands. You had like Boston to Zeppelin to, you know, Van Halen to fucking Foreigner. You know what I mean? And and there wasn't. Everybody sold out. Everybody toured. Every nobody sounded the same. Right. There, you know, comedy is believe it or not, it's not a competition. You're, if anything, you're competing against yourself. Right. If somebody likes if you like 10 great, it's like, let's say 10 amazing movies came out in a row. You're going to go see all 10 of those sooner or later. Right. And if there's 20 movies, you're going to catch them sooner or later. It's the same thing. People want to spend their money and be entertained. Do you think uh, in this climate being funny is the most important thing? Because there could be a killer right now who's n- no exposure anywhere and he's opening mic, he's doing open mics and he's a killer. He's putting his time in, but doesn't have the exposure because of social media. Do you think? Like, what do you think? Well, the deal I mean, with that he hasn't—he at least has an opportunity to get exposed. Do you, you think know, uh, being funny is the most? Uh, yeah, the, best being thing? being funny, uh, honest, you know, yeah. truthful. But what I mean by that is um, being original to who you are, not stealing jokes. You know what I mean? Um, but again, there's no excuse now for anybody. Like I always say, uh, not everything's your fault, but everything's your responsibility, right? So if you're sitting around waiting for somebody to go, I'm going to make you a star. That doesn't fucking happen. It, it barely happened back in the day. And it doesn't definitely doesn't happen like that now. I mean, look, the industry can push some people through. But, it, it you know, it, it's it's a long game. Just it, it, just put the time in being good. That should be first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, so it being being funny is yeah. Being funny is different than 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 pop off can kind of explained it like being funny is the most important thing like you could pop off quick and you might get a quicker opportunity but it might not last or probably won't last if you're not good or funny if, if or you can't, can't do it. an I mean, hour look, or whatever if you could do 15 minutes solid right you could be funny for 15 minutes so let's just say you blow up and now you got to headline your own theater gig mm. you got an extra 40 minutes to to make it kill right you know and then the next time around they see you is it going to be the same fucking 55 minutes you did you know, you you can't fake what we do. We just can't, man. And and that's why there's so many great comedians right now. This is the best time for comedy, I think. I mean, you, you know, you get guys like Burr, and then you got guys like Bobby Kelly that, you know, aren't household names, but are fucking amazing comedians. And guys like Big J, and then, and, and, uh, you know, I can go on and on. Of course. You know, Rogan is phenomenal. I mean, see, the reason why I believe comedy is starting to boom, especially the comedy store in L.A., because yeah. it's still the best club. Oh, no, I was there last year. I was like, <clears throat> I can't even believe what it was like. Dave. It's it's because of these podcasts. So you had when podcasts started taking off, because that's really a comedian medium. Like we created that. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Hey, 100%. what's up, Mikey? Um, hey, Mike. The uh, uh, it, we kind of created this medium, right? Yeah. So you, every they were hearing Mark Marin talk, and they were hearing uh, what's up, dude? They were hearing Marin talk and Rogan talk, and everybody was talking about all these clubs and like you got it with the comedy store, all these crazy stories. Yeah, people started listening, going, "I want to see what I want to see what they're talking about." You know what I mean? And then they go down to these clubs, and it just started packing out, and you know, and and you had all these comedians that have been marinating in this art form for fucking ten years that nobody's even seen. 
Uh-huh. And they're on one after another after another. And then everybody's like, Jesus, I've never even. You know how many people have never been to a live comedy show? Like that. It's I know crazy. a fuck ton of people. Yeah. I know people who. That's the thing with like Sebastian. If you were doing, you were doing stand up with Sebastian 15 years ago, and to break it down, he probably really blew up on Facebook with some of his you know viral shit, and he's got like a big family crowd, big worker. Like I work with people, and they're like, "Who the hell is this Sebastian guy?" They have no clue. He's been doing it 20 over 20 years, and then you just blow you know blow up quicker through something like Facebook. But like I know people who don't don't know like they just don't know comedy, and they've like never been to a comedy show. Then they go. They realize like something like a podcast, like a pod- like people don't realize how big like like Theo Vaughn's podcast or like fucking you know Rogan obviously or like Bert's podcast or whatever. Like Bert said, he makes more he he started making more money off his podcast, the same that he would make when he was doing like Travel Channel, which is TV. Yeah. So it's like TV's dead, like honestly. So like it's just a different game now, and, and that 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 long game of like tw- putting the work twenty years, and then you'll blow up. It's like sometimes it happens quicker now. But as somebody who was going 20 years, it's going to work in their favor because they can fucking do well and make it last. Like Sebastian. Like, and then you sell out MSG. Like, like what did you, you saw him 15 years ago? You had no idea if that was going to happen or not, right? Well, see, like I said, we were very fortunate in a sense that there was a lull in comedy. So, like, if, if you went to the comedy store, dude, I, like, there would be, like, 10 people in the audience at, like, 1230 in the, in the morning. And that's Sebastian would go up or Tripoli would go up or, you know, and you just were forced to marinate in this art form. I'll be honest with you. There was a boom at like the mid to end of the 90s. And then comedy wasn't becoming that lucrative like it was kind of thin the herd. You know what I mean? So the people that were really married to this game or married to the to the art form, they didn't quit. Right. Everybody kept going and going and going, you know, and then. There's a boom again, so now there's this big herd, but the ones that are starting to pop now have, I mean, 15 years maybe under their belt and yeah. more. You know what I mean? Like, I think Burr popped like 20 years in, maybe. Yeah, yeah probably. I mean, you know? Yeah, those, those, those slew of specials, like maybe 2010, 2012, is mean, really, like, now he's a household name. Like, just now, really, probably the past two or three years. But, like. This thing, Bert, Bert is becoming, I think, slowly, like, slowly becoming household name. He's 20 years, you know. Theo, a lot of those West Coast guys, the podcast, like, like, they were already so good at comedy, 15 years in the game. And then, they like, added a podcast to get some more of those dedicated fans. Bobby Lee, 25 years. Yeah. Like, you, you know what I mean? And then it's like, you know, and then you got some, you got East Coast guys who are kind of maybe a little bit late to the game. They always say New York is w- is way late to the game when it comes to podcasting and, and content creation because they're so worried about writing a good joke. Nor like some Nor- like Mark Norman would say that, and well, now he's I would starting tell to pop you this. off. New York comics, New York comics traditionally were always more club savvy, like solid comics, but they didn't really understand the business as well as LA comics, which is why they were always late to the game. But you, I would rather be late. And talented as fuck. Yeah. Then be early and not be able to fucking sustain it. Does that make sense? One hundred percent. Do you think they're just late because L.A. has more opportunity when it comes to not just comedy? Um. Yeah. I think because you know we're constantly in pitch meetings and writer meetings, and there's just more going on there in the business. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a lot harder to get stage time in L.A. because you know our shows are over at one thirty. You got three major clubs. The con- yeah, the comedy store is like, you can't really get in there like you used to. Um, you know, uh, Norman said there was no, more unity in LA too. Like the Joe Rogan helped everyone out, like with that whole like podcast move and comedy. Well, you know, for I don't know if there's unity as much. I think it's more my generation 
you know, than the one before me was not as helpful. Really? But at the end of the day, like I said, man, it's it's not a team sport. Like, you know, you, you, yeah. you got to go and put your time in and you go up and you... I can't... You can give somebody an opportunity, but what are they going to do with it if they're not funny, if that makes sense? You know? what, do, what do you think about podcasting? Like, people say that Joe Rogan's bigger than any radio platform Absolutely. or TV show. Joe, like, going Joe on Rogan there, we'll sell the, you tickets. Joe Rogan, to me... First of all, Johnny he's, Carson, he's a very dear friend. Uh, Joe is one of the most solid dudes you'll ever meet. Um, he's as real as real can be, man. And I think that's what the podcast world brings, is that you... There used to be this mystique with celebrities where, like, who are they? You never really knew their opinion. And that's what I love about millennials too, man, is you guys are more, you're not into like being sold anything. You're not into mass produced type shit. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's why you don't really see those big movie stars like you used to, Yeah. you know, because it's, it's more, is this going to be a good movie? I'm not yeah, going to yeah. just go see somebody, but it's the same thing with, with the, the foods too. Like, you know, the, it's not mass produced. It's more like IP beers and homegrown chocolate or whatever the fuck those weird shit you, you kids are doing. No, I'm just saying is that, it, it, you know, I think that's why podcasting is so good. It's more real. Yeah. He just so, had Robert Downey Jr. on. It's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that unreal? Like, who would have think Dude, that? Dude, Mark Maron had uh, Barack Obama in his, in his garage. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> and, he had, and he had Brad and Leo after fucking once upon a time. Now. But Joe, Joe is literally the most powerful man, I think, in media. When you talk yeah. about powerful people, is there gatekeepers in Hollywood holding comedians back, or is it now like fuck it, do it yourself, like the Rogan approach? Um, there are there's a certain brand of comedian, and, and people can see like you know, the 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 problem with Hollywood is that they're trying to please everybody, you know, and people art, especially comedy, should be we we want it to be more of a meritocracy, but it's not. It's a business, and you got to sell tickets. Sports is the ultimate meritocracy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's no diversity in sports. It's mostly black people starting and sure. then white people. Like, you don't see movements. We need an Asian quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, if you can't pass the ball, put it, yeah. you ain't playing. That's, That's why I love yeah. sports. When you're great, you're going to play. It's all about talent. Yeah. Right. I mean, there may be some politics involved, but let's just say 95% of the time, if you're an amazing player, you're going to start. Definitely. Comedy is, unfortunately... It's not like, you know, there's a farm league where you're being groomed and then they're like, all right, he's ready for the for the majors. You know what I mean? It's like someone could be doing something for 15 years and never evolve, like you said. And then there's someone who was like 10 years in the game who's like a headlining star. But it's all opportunities, like you said. It's their fault. But the sometimes, but, you know, you, you can't, you got to create it. I, I can't, you know, you can't wait around. I, I don't want to sound like some motivational speaker. but No, no, no. I always said I don't need permission to exist in anybody's fucking business or world. Right? This is what I do. And at the end of the day, it's what I do. It's what I love to do. You know, if I do the clubs, I'm for the rest of my I'm I'm happy. I would never when I first started, I never imagined I would be, you know, headlining 30 35 clubs a year, A rooms, mm. you know. You, you you know, I was doing whatever I had to do, man. I mean, if you read Sebastian's book, he tells a story where we did that thing in the boxing ring. Yeah, I heard, I was listening. Were you on the Vince Vaughn tour? Is that the same one, the yeah, Wild yeah. Bus? That's but we didn't do that in the box. Me and Sebby were me and Sebastian were we went up to Modesto or something and me and Tripoli, we, you know, you do these shit gigs with your friends. Did you have the same lifestyle where he was a, a wait, waiter at whatever, yeah. Beverly Hills? I was and delivering pizzas and I was uh, working at the Cheesecake Factory. When did you say, okay, I'm full-time comedian now, fuck it, let's do this, and you got all rid of all those jobs? Um, like, what's the point? When I got my point? first development deal, you know, I got a nice chunk of change, and then I got one after that. And then um, I started, you know, started picking up, but then there was a lull. 
where like I was living off of the money that I wasn't working like I was working and then you pick back up again and you know that's what it is it's like it's like this yeah sometimes yeah you know I was <laughs> so well <laughs> taxes eat you up that's for sure that well so you you think it's important to fucking not keep doing comedy like if you get a development deal it's like all right now I got a fat check you can't stop grinding no. in comedy right well, I came out to LA to be a comedian yeah I mean, I, I was a comedian before I was doing stand-up three years. I was in Miami, but, yeah. you know. What uh, did you start? 25, a week before my 25th birthday. I wanted, well, I wanted to say, because you well, you grew up here in Jersey from, like, Passaic, right? But then yeah, you I went to Florida, like, around Florida, high school time? For Fort La- yeah, I went, moved down my freshman year. Okay. Because you, well, you said something interesting before we started about this area being, when it comes to racism, it comes to other shit, it's like, there's something a little bit off about, I guess, Northeast, maybe Jersey, specifically New York, New Jersey. No, it's just more segregated because you have more cultural, like, you have, you don't have Italian neighborhoods and Jewish right. neighborhoods. Well, you do have Jewish neighborhoods. In the know. cities. Yeah, well. It's more segregated in a sense because of the traditions of the first generation Europeans. Right. You know, that, that came here from the, like, there's a Polish neighborhood in, in Wallington, which is near Passaic. Yeah. Which was traditionally Italian, but then became mostly black. Yeah. And now it's Jewish, I think. I don't know. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, you get that in Chicago too. You get these Irish neighborhoods and Italian neighborhoods and, you know, it's, there's more uh, European diversity. Right. Well, since you, that's the thing. When you said like, since you said like, kind of like Hollywood entertainment, they're looking for like, you know, I need a lesbian. I need a black guy. I need a whatever. Well, but they, like, they, they have to check boxes too. Right. And, and you know. And you can't control that. I feel like, like. You just I'm not, can't, you can't, I'm not mad at it either. No, me neither. Like, because of that diversity program, you know, like, let's take, like, one of my best friends and the girl I love is Leslie Jones. Hell yeah. You know, like, Shout uh, out Leslie. she was, she put her time in and I think she, I, I think know, she started like 30 Leslie? years ago. Yeah, but there, there, no, was it Leslie? There was somebody that got discovered on like a diversity showcase. I think, no, Leslie Chris got her into Saturday Night Live. I don't want to mis- mistake. I'm just saying that. She was, it, there was years where me and Sebastian would watch and be like, this is one of my favorite comedians. You know what I mean? And she wasn't getting anything. Right. You know? Um, and. Do you guys know before, like like what you're saying I about. Missed, I, maybe I misquote. I think that was Chris got her that opportunity. There was somebody that blew up from a diversity showcase that was unbelievable. Do you guys see it as it's comedians like it's about first? time. Like, huh? do you guys see it? Like, you and Sebastian, like, watch com- comedians. Like, he's going to make it. We know she's going to make no, it. You, you just say that person's phenomenal. Like I could rattle off comics that are starting to blow up now, like like Eric Griffin, uh, um, Ian Edwards is another one that's been around. Um, you know, my favorites, Bobby Kelly, Dove Davidoff's phenomenal. Uh, you know what I mean? Like th- these are people that have just been around for so long that when they blow up, you're like, fucking yeah, yeah. about time. Why did you start initially at 25? And did you think you're like, oh shit, I'm old in the game now? Because a lot of people start young, or is it like, doesn't nah, matter. Didn't matter. Like people start at 35. Does it matter? I mean, you know, if some if a fifty eight year old went on stage right now and destroyed, co- comedy is one of the best art forms. Where the older you are, the more relevant you are. And nobody wants to hear a twenty something on stage. They didn't experience anything in life, right? He wants to get up. He wants to start doing it. Then get up. He says I'm old though. I did. I, I said get up. I get said get up fucking tomorrow night. True, but I feel like like people start like at twenty, like proteges, and are in the game forever, and thing, then they dude. start no, no, man. nothing. There was guys that were old. Look at Dangerfield and. Oh, he's opening for. Uh, I'm just Diaz. saying. I'm not mad at the uh, at the diversity shit either. I, there's nothing. 
the comedy table, I'll, I'll keep saying this, is infinite. So nobody's holding me back because I'm a white dude. Right. You know, just like nobody's giving me opportunities because I'm a white dude. Yeah, it's just to, to be honest with you, when white boys were in, I wasn't white enough. <laughs> and now that white boys are out, I'm not brown enough. But that has nothing to, that has nothing to do with, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, I haven't seen a comedian. There's maybe one or two that I'm like, all right. But pretty much everybody who's pretty much known deserves to be there. There's not one person you can name that you're like, I don't know how that person got it. You, you know what I'm right. saying? I have two that I, I, that I know for a fact. I'm like, this, this is just awful stand-up. <laughs> you know but I mean? they're huge? And, and they check the box. Right. You know? But I, I don't talk bad on that, That's just a subjective thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying pretty much everybody that... Is being has success right now deserves it. When you were talking about athletes and talent, it actually brought something to my mind. Like, because Michael Jordan had a talent work ethic. In comedy, do you think you have to have the, gen the genetic ability, like a talent already, to be funny, or is it more putting the reps in and working? Um, I think. Like, were you always a funny person? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I think Rich Voss said this, but there was another comedian that said this about back at a bus funny. Like, I was, I was, I played sports my whole life. I was always cracking jokes in the locker room. I was always in, like, internal suspension. I was a really bad kid, but I was always making the bad kids laugh. Shout out to you know the special I mean? principal's office. <laughs> Shout out to the special. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I, I, that's yeah. that was where I started. I started on buses, back at the buses, locker rooms, yeah. free breakfast. Like, you know, you go to the, we used to have to, I used to get bussed into school early, so we would just be cracking jokes at the table. Right. You know, on the field, and but yeah, it's something I always knew. Um, but you you have to develop the skill to where, and that's just through repetition. You know how they do that ten thousand hour rule? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the hard part with comedy. You got to get to that ten thousand hours, but like five to ten minutes at a time. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fifteen yeah. minute sets, eight yeah. minute guest sets to get to. But once you start rolling, yeah, you take every. I take every gig. I used to take every gig. And it wasn't even about the money. It was about the stage time, stage time. That's the money. But then you get to a point to where you can't, you, you, you become so comfortable. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Not to be a motivational speaker, like you say, no motivation. But like the ups and downs, what kept you going? You said you were a door. Uh, Comedy. Che Cheesecake Factory. Like, But it was like Dude, periods where you're like up and down, up and down. I would, I just, I, and I'm still this way. I can't wait to get on stage, man. That's, that's the motivation. You know what I mean? That's what's motivating me is yeah. getting up there and fucking telling, yeah. doing what I love to do, man. Yeah. The, it gets, you know, you get a little burnt out after a while with the traveling and stuff. Sure. But I remember Rogan said something one night. He said, uh, every time you're on stage, you should be like, what if, what if I die on the way home? You know what I mean? What if I crash and die? You know, that was my last performance. Yeah. You want it to always mean something or have a purpose. That's a great way to put it. Whether it's, it's about the money, it's passion or profit. Now it's about the money. <laughs> you know, once you get to a certain point, it's about the money. But, you know, on my way up, uh, I just worked it. I didn't care about the money. Right. I did what I had to do. You shouldn't, I don't think. But I was very fortunate, too, where, like, I didn't come from a lot. So there was no parents going, you need to be a lawyer. You yeah, need a three. There's a three-year plan. No ultimatum. No my mom was just happy that, like, I wasn't in trouble, and then I found what I like to do. and Very supportive. You know, my brothers were supportive, you know. I don't know if this is true or not, but someone was like kind of hating about comedians, and they were saying how a lot of comedians are just like people who ha who are born rich because they w they didn't have to work a real job and just did comedy a lot of times. But you you hear so many stories, of people grinding as pizza guys, everything. I don't know. Ninety, I would say ninety nine percent of comics fucking 
live like college students in their 30s. That's what I'm saying. Their 40s, yeah. man. There's yeah. no fucking way. People were saying that some people already had money and just would do like mics all the I time mean, or comedy all the time. There one or two comedians, yeah. but again, if you see a comic on stage, you don't. If you're laughing and going, "This is one of the funniest dudes," what, you don't fucking. You don't think about that. Yeah. You. Yeah. What's yeah, that kind of do? People that are bitter, people that expect things. It's nothing magical. It's just hard work, man. The, those types of people are either average or below average. Whenever you hear somebody tell you they're not where they're at because, and it has nothing to do with them. It's usually an average or below average person. You know yeah. what I mean? That's like, not, you know, if I could pinpoint where I went wrong, I mean, I made a couple, but it was the internet, man. I didn't really know anything about it. I mean, it, even if I was 22 and the internet was, I'd be antiquated with it. It's just not my cup of tea. Right. I'm not a tech guy. Yeah. So I had to force myself and learn it. And I, I took editing classes so I can edit my own shit. I used to like most of it. Yeah. But I meant like not my, the new special I just shot and I just, excuse me. I just self-produced another special in, at, yeah. in Vegas. I hired a film, my, this uh, bash, Mark Bashian. He's a film director. Um, we worked on a project before, but again, I'm doing it myself. You know what I mean? Just like I did the last one, right. and I'll keep doing it just to get that product out. There. Yeah. Is it just to get it out as quick as possible, not relying on anyone, or is I it mean, just quick? It's been three years I've been working on the new one, and I got this new one I'm working on now, so that'll be next. But it usually takes for me at least a year to two years to really develop it. You know, make it nice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want it too long because Mike's on the features on now. That's fine. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean th th that was a, that was that was funny and original the way you did the you did what you did principal's office specials like filmed it in a principal's office because I had never seen anything like that like a lot of people were self producing their own specials or whatever Schultz did the you know four clubs four four different sets kind of thing but like the way you did like was that an actual principal's office or you just get like a set production like backdrop what, and in shit? the beginning with Eric? the beginning yeah no that, we just we we were on a studio set I just thought it was funny and then uh, <laughs> I shot that afterwards and oh then, yeah but that was kind of like a, 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 an homage to like the old school specials where they would always have the sketch in the beginning yeah and then you know I I also did this the special like when we were kids and then it was kind of. Uh, a, not a passion project of mine, but it was something I worked really hard on. And, yeah. and I have to thank, like, Neil Brennan. Uh, Sam yeah. Tripoli is the one that actually told me. I broke away from the different... I was, like, when I first started, it was more observational stuff. Sure. And I was talking to Sam, and all my friends were like, dude, you got to tell these stories on stage. And Tripoli was always the one that was like, dude, you got to work on these stories. So I kind of took a dip in my performance to try and get back up again, to try and get personal with it. And make fucked up things funny or try to make them funny so there was a, a process in that of just getting up and talking and trying to work those out and then then i finally did it but the next one i'm doing is is all about relationships it's called a uh, domesticated animal mm. um but it's more like relationship what, what i like to do though is what i hope to do is when you watch them in a row it'll tell a story how, how much time's he got so all right. You were observant and then became a storyteller. You're like in comedy. Doesn't well, that make you a more storyteller does, off stage? Doesn't it make you more versatile as a comedian though. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I'm not, I'm not a good writer. Like you know, I, like when I got my special transcribed, I'm like, there's nothing funny. About it. <laughs> <laughs> you're reading it. It's like, so this fucking guy. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you're like, there's no nothing clever. Yeah. It's just shit fucking. You're, sto you're a story guy, not a, not necessarily a joke guy, right? You're right. Yeah. On stage, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, dude, I don't. I don't write anything down. Like, there's. Never have. Um, 
when I first started, Probably, I did, yeah, but it's, first started. you know, you kind of lose that moment and that comfort, but that's, that becomes being comfortable. You know, I think like what helped me a lot, I went to 15 schools growing up. Jesus so I was the new kid a lot. Yeah. So I was like really quick at like talking to people and just being comfortable in front of the class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because, you know, when they bring in, there's a new kid and, and it's awkward. And then after <laughs> a while, you're just like, I'm fucking here. So. Yeah. What about um, I don't know. We were t- we were talking about like negative shit in the beginning, but PC shit. Sometimes you say you don't like if it's not personal to you. You don't like to talk. You don't like to touch I, it. Really, me personally, I'm not. That's a, just your I, thing. It, it, yeah. If it, if if it's if it, if I didn't experience it, right. I'm not gonna like. I don't like making fun of other people's tragedies. Right. But that's me. Yeah. I've laughed at it. Right. It's just not my style. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were talking about that. But um, um you know, it's just not me. Like yeah. that. I, like I I wouldn't be good at those roasts. I could be mean. I just don't. I don't like the energy it gives off, right? Nah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just not me, man. Like, one of my favorite comedians is, do you know Steve Simone? Oh, yeah. Dude, when you watch his show, you feel good about yourself, <laughs> you know? You feel, <laughs> have you ever watched him perform? Yeah, You're like, yeah. this is the best guy on the planet. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's one of my dearest friends, too. But I, I like I like to tell a story, and I like people to leave with, like, a, a more of a positive experience, even though I'm not a positive guy, I guess. I don't know. That's a, he's got to go soon, right? I think so. It ties into the last question. I said, if you were meeting someone for the first time or someone was listening to you or watching you, what is one thing you would want them to take away from you? You don't need, I mean, as an artist or just as a regular human In being? In general. Or a like comic? Both, whatever you want to uh, You know, man, I always, I mean, work ethic-wise, like I said, not everything's my fault. Everything's your responsibility. Don't make excuses for nothing, man. And don't. What somebody else has has nothing to do with what you don't have. You know what I mean? Right. But also, just keep going, man. If you do what you love, it doesn't matter. Right. You know? Passion over profit? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? No, he's saying passion over profit. Passion over profit, but then you need to get that profit right. after a while. But until you get to a certain point, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to live... Like, I remember when I played ball, there was always those kids that were great and pra- that loved practice, but sucked at the game. Right. You know, you, it's important to love practice, but it's also important to win the motherfucking game. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, personally for me, is you know, it's, it's about the money and it's about selling tickets. But I, I don't want to rip anybody off either. You know, like when people come to my show, you're going to tell I put the work in. But if you don't find me funny, that's fine. I mean, that's the other thing, man. I don't like that. You know, that's another one of my favorite. It's none of my business what people think of me. And it's not. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like me. It has nothing to do. You will respect me. You will say, okay, this guy's an honest guy. He put his time in. He works hard. But you don't. I don't have to be your cup of tea. Right. Put your head on the desk and go. You know, there are people that like witty. I'm not witty. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whatever. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to piss, right, man. man. Brett's got to hit I'm the on stage. Deck. Dude, check out Principal's yeah, Office. You You're on the list podcast, dude. Put it on my tap. Thank you so yeah, much, just Brett. Put it in here. Dude. Just order. Don't matter. Appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you yeah, so yeah. much. You got to hang out or what? Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, I got to go piss. Yeah, shout out to Brett Ernst, guys. Thank you. Stress Factory Green Room. Keep it basement. We're out.